it's still a project. And that's the thing is when you have things that are meaningful, you'll put time on them. Where people go wrong is, for example, oh yeah, the family time thing. If it isn't perceived to be a big project, and then you compare that to say, I know, launching a business, guess where people gravitate to? They gravitate to the business. Oh, this is important. You don't understand. I've got to get the marketing right. I've got to get the, I've got to get the business. I've got to, I've got this Zoom call I've got to be on. And the kids are like, daddy, daddy, could you come and do this? And then here you are as this entrepreneur building your big business. Yeah, I'll do it next week, kids. Hold on a minute. Let's just weigh this up. Give each project its same value and importance, even if one appears smaller than the other. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level to give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 steps to success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hey, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Cicado show. Now, for many people, as a whole, I'm talking as a whole here, in 2020, we all experienced the strangest year in existence, or what feels like the strangest year in existence because it's happening to us right now. In particular, however, I want to focus on those people 
who have experienced the 2020 strangest year, but are also very goal orientated. So we're talking about people who in December took the time to set out their goals ready for the following year. So if you go back to 2019, December comes typically between early December or between Christmas and New Year's, people will sit down and plan next year. What do I want to go and achieve? And if you're listening to this right now and thinking, yes, I'm one of those people, but because of the events of 2020, my goals just went out of the window. I achieved some of them, you know, that I set out in 2019. For example, I had lots of time to do my personal education goals, my self-development goals. Uh, I got to invest in some fantastic programs and I've learned so much this year. Also, I've achieved some of my family goals. Uh, By the very nature of being locked down, I got to spend time with them. We did some cool creative things that we had planned. However, my financial goals, well, I just couldn't get started with those. So if you listen to this right now and you're in that scenario, don't worry because you are listening to the right episode today. As Ro shared with me a really cool acronym that he uses when coaching clients and he's used it throughout many years with clients and he'll be working through that process with you, the listener and myself whilst I'm listening on board as well which is actually very timely and very appropriate in terms of what it means. And when you understand what it means, you'll be like, yes, that is so appropriate. So Jairo, over to you to share with the listeners what we'll be sharing with them today and what we'll be discussing. Hello. Thanks, Harms. Greetings, everybody. And again, thank you for joining us here on Cicado Show. And actually, Harms has just really jumped straight in with a great framing because this time of year, and he's right, I mean, Harms, it's that whole period between December and January. Everybody seems to suddenly pack in this, right, I've got to do a whole process of checking in to set my goals for next year. And it seems to start at the end of December as opposed to early. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed that yourself, but it seems to yeah, be- Yeah, that's fair. Christmas shopping first. Yeah, yeah, right. So everybody gets busy getting busy, has the socials, has the piss-ups and all the stuff, whatever you want to call it. But they finally settle into a sense of- calmness sometime just before the new year and it really is crammed in and I thought I wanted to share with you that when I'm working well not so much now because I don't do so much one-to-one with people but certainly back in the day when I did a lot more coaching with people on a one-to-one basis I would get them looking at this back end of November early December and they used to say yeah but I want to do this towards the end of the year and I said I know but that's what everybody else does so let's not behave like everybody else. Let's do something different and approach it in a slightly different way. And one might argue, well, I'm wrapping up the end of the year and late November, early December. I'm needing to get myself sorted out for Christmas. Uh, yeah, there's certain things I've got to tie up in the business before going to the holidays. I get all that. But actually, you're also in the thick of it and you're in the flow of the genuine dynamics of how life is. So it's quite a good time to do it because it allows you to keep your finger on the pulse whilst going through this process. And and the acronym is called RESET ACT. I'll I'll just spell that R-E-S-E-T space A-C-T. So RESET and then ACT. So as we go through this, Harm's put a good frame on this. I think what I'm going to do is suggest that you can apply this to your professional life. You can apply this to your personal life definitely to your financial life and actually to some extent on a relationship level as well. So as we go through it, Harms, if you want to jump in and throw some side questions at me or even some, you know, if you want to challenge me on anything and say, yeah, but what about this? Feel free to do so because in a way I'm bringing this to the table fresh. So it's quite good that you're experiencing it 
although you know about this system, you can almost be the person experiencing it at the other end, if, if that's all right with you. Yeah, fantastic, Ro. And you've raised two awesome points there. One is the very fact uh, you're using this acronym, which is Reset Now, sorry, Reset Act. That is what people are feeling they need to do in 2020. They want to reset after 2020 and then act going into next year and almost make up for lost time. And I think there's something critical in the in starting early, starting at this time, because, you know, when you think about when you go on holiday and you come back from holiday, you have that two-week lag before you actually really get going. Now, I guess listeners have to ask themselves the question, when January the 1st strikes, do they want to know exactly what they're doing with that year? Do they want to get started immediately or do they want to get started in February? Because if you start planning late in December, that's one of the challenges that could occur Exactly, is you have this overspill where you're still not sure what you want to do. And then come quarter one, you're not still not sure what you want to do. And then quarter two comes along and now you've lost three months in a business year in, a, in that kind of context. Exactly. And what I found was when I was working with somebody on this, because we were tackling it late November, early December, which is exactly where we are now, it actually meant that going through the December period, going through the Christmas period, going towards the end of the year, these areas they need to focus on, these questions that were being raised through the coaching, the, the even this will come out of today as well. Very quickly, people going, okay, actually that's brought that into my horizon now. So whilst they were wrapping up the end of the year, possibly looking at how certain projects have performed, et cetera, in the back of their mind is this concept of reset act. And it allowed them to fine tune things. So as we do this now, there's almost a stage one. And then as a refinement stage, which is stage two, which is really that final stage at the back end of the year. So it's a bit like a sandwich. We start it, we at least establish some of the core principles in place and, and do them. Then there's a period where we just go mad and everybody celebrates and has Christmas, which is great. Then back end of the year, we revisit it again. So it's the two outer layers of the sandwich, consolidating it as we go into the new year. So it's almost like an artist's canvas. You know, the, the perception is, look, we'll just do this in a seven hour window. Whereas the artists will keep layering Correct. and layering and layering on their canvas and it could take them six months. It could take, but what we're talking about is goal setting. So we want to get it done in a short period of time, but there are layers to this process. Yeah. And you, you mentioned reset now and I laughed because you don't know this, but actually it had three stages to it. Reset, act, and then there was a now, but I'm not going to give the acronym for now. We might do it actually towards the end of the year because that was more geared towards the end of the year. So, okay. But you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. So that, that works out quite well. That's committed you row to revealing what the now part is. <laughs> we'll leave the secret the out there, yeah. We'll leave the secret out there. Awesome. So let's let's focus in then on the reset act. So I really want to leave the listeners with something because we want to keep this high, practical, uh, highly condensed yeah. and practical so they can just act now based on what the acronym is saying. So what is the first okay. part? So on that, on that premise then, I, I won't go too deep diving into this because we could easily spend two or three hours. I mean, bear in mind, these were coaching sessions. So they, this would have gone over two or three sessions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the R stands for review. It's, it, as obvious as it sounds, it's not as obvious as it sounds because th this is an objective review process. So I'll throw some words out there. Hopefully this will come into the, uh, the show notes, and maybe you can just be a mirror to this as I'm talking. So this is an objective review. Notice the word objective. We're not allowing ourselves to go into an emotional space. So best way to do this is find a clean space to do it. Maybe grab yourself a nice calming drink, have your journals out, have your computer out if you need it. Certainly have a blank journal. 
and what we're doing harms. And I, I used to get people to have a smiley face or an unhappy face or a tick and a cross. And I'd get people to s- literally sit down and do a complete review of what the year was for them in terms of what the targets were. So if we were talking about money, what were your financial targets for the year? Let's review that. Did you hit them? How did you get on? On the business side, what were your targets at the start of the year? Reviewing back, did you hit those targets? Maybe on a personal side, were there any specific goals, health, et cetera? I mean, I'm broadening it now because it's end of the year, but it's very easy if you want to pick my brains off. Somebody's listening, they can narrow this down to finances. So first of all, we, we look at what did we start this year with? What were our objectives? And then we review, did we hit those? That's the first part of the review process. So, so the key there, though, is the phrase objective. Now, right. so what we're saying is, look, did you achieve this financial goal? What we're not expecting the person to do is, uh, yeah, well, we sort of did. Mm, I'll, I'll give myself, you know, half a tick. Like, it, that's not the process we're asking Correct. them to dive into here. So if somebody is in that frame of mind and they, and they have the awareness to say, look, I, I'm not that, I'm not an objective person. I can I'm quite, get quite passionate about this subject. You know, what can they do? You know, they're by themselves and they're like, they're not, they feel like they're not answering the questions as true as possible in terms of the review. They're shaping the year into what they wanted it to be rather than what it actually was. Okay. So in the process of communicating with impact, one of the areas of the system involves you adopting one of four different archetypes. Now, I'm not going to go into that because that's not the purpose of today's podcast. However, one of those archetypes in terms of the principle is a sovereignty. So that's where you take a very wise, older mindset, you reflect on something, you have a bigger objective and you look over it. So the sovereign has that kind of sitting on the throne sense of approach. So that's the way we've got to do this. We go into the review process with the air of sovereignty. We sit down Another way to do it is you emotionally remove yourself from your body. In other words, you float out your body. Imagine you're sitting next to yourself having a conversation. And in front of you are all the things that you set out for the start of the year. So we could look at our financial targets. We could look at the projects we were planning to complete, even down to relationships, family. It needs to all be set out because your life's not going to be one-dimensional. It's going to be whole different sets of goals and objectives that you set out. Now, I'm not talking here about the tiny little weekly objectives. I'm, I'm referring to what were the big hits that you wanted for 2020. Now, yes, you've made a great point. We've had COVID, but we're removing ourselves from any of that experience. We're removing ourselves from the pain or the joy or the frustration of the year. We're simply looking at this as black and white. I set out One of my projects was I wanted to acquire four properties this year, each one producing approximately 850 and above cash flow. Okay, that was one objective. Another objective was I wanted to get myself to a level of fitness where I could run three times a week and feel like I complete a marathon for the sake of argument at the end of the year. Another objective I had was I wanted to get my financial systems in place such that I had this much money in the bank account. I had been able to clear down my debts from 28,000 to 3,000 and be able to have a new system operational to assess my monthly cash flows. So that's another objective that I might have set myself for the year. And and these are stated, right? We're not talking about projects. We're talking about overall objectives. Remember, I'm still only in the start of the review process. There's more to it. That was my next question. Is there more to the review process (laughs) or do we move on to the E? No, no, we don't go to the E, yeah. So that's, that's just a quick, these are the objectives, right? So now 
so so yes or no it's as simple as that you can put a cross or a tick this is what you your point is staying objective i don't go oh shit i didn't get there you just say actually no and you've got to have a measure for that so you would have started the year with a pretty clear measure of how it would feel at the end of the year if you've achieved that target so that's the first thing we review have we achieved that then we start to look in the review process of where are the areas that worked well and where are the areas that didn't work well. So you might want to break it down into how you manage your money. So did it work well? Didn't it work well? How you manage your time? Did it work well? Didn't it work well? How you managed and worked with other people? Yes, no. How you allowed yourself to get distracted? Yes, no. So there's there's lots of different areas. And when I'm going through this process, normally we would I would know from the goals what questions to ask the person. So you've got to look at whatever your objectives were for the start of the year and ask yourself what are the associated activities and things associated with that that you can reflect on. How did I operate in that space? Am I making sense? What I'm saying is you can't just look at the big target now because in order to achieve the target, certain things would have happened or wouldn't have happened. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's almost like if you're logging this, so one of the one of the assumptions is that to have a really good review process, you had to have a good logging process. Yeah. That's the phrase I'm using, but a way to document, a way to journal at the end of every week or every month. And you can look back at say, okay, quarter to March, April, around that time, these things went really well, or I had no activity in that month. That's what we're saying. We're saying, look back and just That's right. again, objectively, what worked well, what didn't work well. Now, I know we can all lean on the excuse of COVID for 2020, and there's no doubt that it's had an impact. But in the process of the impact, as you mentioned earlier on, there are changes that people have made. Some people have improved their learning, their health, etc. So we have to take that into account. Uh, another way to look at this, I used to say to people, right, imagine, tell me where you go on a destination where it's quite a long drive. You've gone in the past and say, oh, I, I drove up to uh, Scotland, whereabouts in Scotland. I went into uh, Glasgow. Okay. So you've got to Glasgow, right? But it's taken you longer than you should have done. If you look back along that route, you can tell where the points were. Oh yeah, we were on track there, but we lost it there. We were on track there. We lost it there. We were on track, on track, lost it there. Okay. What were the reasons? Oh, we took a wrong turning. I was, I was distracted. You can do the same thing with any project or targets that you set for a year. You can literally timeline that back. Now, if you're really good at this, you'll have methodically logged it during the course of the year, but that doesn't always happen. But we can use timeline. It's actually a form of therapy, actually, but a timeline process where you reflect back through the year and we walk through from January. If if, if somebody feels overwhelmed when they listen to this, oh my God, but you don't understand, right? There's just so many things that I think went wrong or so many things that went well. Okay, that's no problem. Let's start in January. What went well then? How's your time management? How's your money management? How is your uh, you know project management? How is your interaction with other people? Where did it go right, wrong? You could break it down month by month if you want to be really detailed. But I mean, now we're getting into another level of understanding of this. Okay, that's fantastic. So I love that example because now it's almost like creating a timeline in your mind, jumping back to the start, walking through your year and like you're traveling to Glasgow, identifying what kept you on track and what kept what knocked you off track as such. So yeah. once they've established that, you know, we're almost on stage three of the review process objectives, what worked well and what didn't work well, what comes next? We're not quite there. So we've got, <laughs> we got learnings, <laughs> learnings, learnings. So now I, I would write down a title, 
learnings. And again, as you said, stay objective. So what have I learned from this pro, you know, this year? So I'm going through the process, but what have I learned from these? So where I went wrong, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to turn left at that junction next time. I, I looked at the sign. I misread the sign. So I'm not going to do that. might be to do with, I allowed myself to get distracted by lots of other projects that were coming along or the shiny coin syndrome where yeah, it was a difficult or, or year. I watched- I, I watched too much. way more Netflix than I did on <laughs> spend time on my business. Like that's a classic one for 2020. I, I, I assume for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Or ordered too many things on Amazon. But yes. So, so I think it has to be an objective thing. Again, it's floating out your body and asking the question, what did I, I mean, a great simple thing is what did I learn from this? And, and positively as well as constructively, I'm not going to use the word negatively, meaning this went really well. Okay. What did I learn from that? Yeah, that whole process during that those two months, we were flying, weren't we? Yeah, we were managing our time well, we were managing our money well, really connecting with people around me, communicating really effectively with my customers. Okay, so what did I learn from that? Why? Because the following month, it didn't go so well. So what did we learn from those two months? Now, what did I learn constructively about the bad period? the tough period? Was it because I was allowing myself to get distracted? Was my mood down? Because that's the other thing you can review is your mood. Something we don't talk a lot about, particularly in the left brain side of coaching. People get distracted by the functionality of a result, but actually our moods play a massive part in our success. And this year, particularly mental health has been a big part. So you can go back and review this and start to ask questions. And it'd be interesting to see from your perspective, Harms, what do you think the mood is amongst, for, for example, the younger generation at the moment? Because I can give you an indication of where I think the older generation are at as a result of this whole year. But what, what do you think is going on amongst the millennials, et cetera? Good question. If you remember back where one of the actions on a previous podcast, I suggested two logical thinkers who need to get closer to the emotional side in a nice way is they could score themselves at the end of every day or week out of 10 and almost logging how they felt that day yeah. and mood and not think too much about it. But, but this is so useful now because this should give them a reference point on why those things are important. Reviewing and looking back now is it's sometimes it's quite hard to get to find out when did I feel my best? What was I doing when I felt great or my mood was in a good place? When, what days was I off track and my mood was, you know, two out of 10. So just reminding listeners of that and also myself, because I I've, I sometimes log my mood, sometimes I don't. So that's a good, yeah. a good reason to actually stay, stay in contact with how you felt in those certain days or weeks when things were good and when things were bad. In terms of answering your question, I think, I think the, because of the way 2020 has panned out, I think the mood would have gone from and this is a general assessment. I, I know some budding entrepreneurs who this stuff just doesn't affect them. You know, they are, they know how to manage their mood. I'm just, as an overall feeling, you know, observing sort of the commentary on social media, the kind of news coming out from media outlets, headline wise, I would say the mood maybe had went from, you know, 10 out of 10 to seven out of 10 to five out of 10 to three out of 10. And then we could no longer score it. It was an apathy thing. And you'll, you'll understand what I mean by this role. And maybe you'll be able to explain it a bit better is people are no longer logging their mood. People are no longer aware of their mood. What's actually happened is there's just this general apathy on, well, I'm numb. I feel numb. Everything's just happening around me. I don't know if I feel happy or sad. Does that make sense? I think that's where you, you uh, just we used, all feel this year. That word you just used is, was in, sat in my mouth ready to say numb. The word is numb. I think people, it's, it, there's another word for it. It's called satiation. So you satiated is when you have so much of something 
that you lose the taste for it. And you can be, you can love ice cream, but have too much of it. You become satiated with it. You can love uh, a drink or, or even be around people that are great to be around, but if you have too much of it, after a while you become satiated. Numbing is a different word, but it says the same thing. But I think numbing reflects better actually where we're at. We're just numb to the news. The older generation, I think my, my generation are a little bit like we've been through stuff before, but this time around, there's a, there's a frustration with the way the government are dealing with it. But the people I speak to in my generation tend to be a little bit more laid back about it and almost resisting I know it's a slightly different resistance from the younger generation. It's almost like a semi-aggressive kickback. Oh, you can't do this to us. You know, we feel a bit controlled at the moment. Whereas the older generation, it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's an acceptance. It's like a case of, hey, listen, we're just going to do our own thing anyway. What I do find with my generation, and you'll kind of experience it yourself, is parenting has become interesting in the sense that the mood has swung between the joy of spending time with our kids, but also the frustration of seeing them not being able to connect back with their own friends and us yeah. having to manage that space that we wouldn't normally be managing. Meaning now you're with you, like for example, at the moment, both my kids are at home and you're as a parent, you're going back into the child space and being there present with your kids. So there is a frustration, in a lot of parents, I think that not feeling necessary, they're able to hit some of the targets they set because they're having to go into that space of being a parent. Not that we don't love it, but it's finding that balance. It's a dance. It's a real conflict, by the way, of values, because we want to be amazing parents, but equally want to keep growing as a human being as well. And, and I think well, that's fascinating because what you're saying there is when a parent is going through this review process, you know, it is, it is a case of being honest because we do have, as, as parents, and, you know, you've spoken to me about this privately, you know, we have parents and adults as part of the, your own natural evolution have these ambitions and the children are not the your whole life as such. You know, you've got your values you want to hit. You've got your ambitions you want to hit. So I, I guess we're saying to parents, you, know, you can be honest in this review when you are establishing your mood and you don't have to say, yay, I spent all the time with the kids. You know, that must mean my year was amazing. You don't have to put that false statement on yourself when really you had some other goals that you just didn't achieve and they made you that made you feel bad. Yeah, we used to call them personal side notes or note to self. So there would be the the objective of reviews, but there would be that side of you that's like, you know what, that why am I feeling this frustration? For example, I don't know, a mum who's in her 40s or late 30s, early 40s, the kids have got to a certain age, they're sort of in balancing act between her and a partner about how the, the family's going to grow and who does what work-wise, or it could be the other way around, husbands looking after the kids. It just depends on the dynamic of the family. But there was a target this year to break away and the kids were going to be out of the house more, which often will happen at a certain point. And he or she then can pursue that that dream of starting a business or writing a book or creating a product, whatever it is. And of course, that has probably been knocked back this year by a year or more. I mean, I'm even seeing that in my own family. So that's your classic example of there's got to be a side note. There's got to be a personal reflection, a personal note to self so that you can separate the two, but he's equally understand they do sit in the same pot. This is a really deep subject, by the way. It's quite good that we, I know we're spending a bit longer on this first one, but if, if this isn't done right, then the rest of the process is a bit of a pointless exercise. That makes sense. And hopefully, Ro, it's okay that I move us along yeah, please as, do. as we go through this process so that we, because we can, and the listeners will know this, talk about go that deep. one subject <laughs> around the family just for a long time. So once they have you know, established what they've learned, 
on a functional side and also a mood side, plus this bonus, which you just added, which is make a note to yourself, you know, why am I feeling frustrated? Why am I feeling elated as well? So once that's established, what happens next? Well, okay, so that's review, 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 right? E stands for establish improvements that you can make. So having done the review, great. So whilst we're doing that, our brain is probably thinking, oh man, if I'd done it this way, if I hadn't taken that left turning, if I just follow the navigation system, if I hadn't been distracted by that phone call, whatever, you know, this is the route up to Scotland, all those things. Uh, I could have improved the way I did things and got here quicker. So I'm using the review process to also either unconsciously or even just little bullet points to the side. These are things I, I could probably do better. So part of the review process is also filtering. We're, we're putting a whole bunch of soil into a sieve and we're reviewing and we're leaving the big blocks at the top. They're the things that stand out through the sieve goes things that we're now starting to see we can do better with. So, so we start to filter. So as you're reviewing and you come in, you've got to be conscious of the next step, which is establishing what improvements can be made. So I could improve my money management. I could improve my time management, my relationships, how I get back to people. I could improve my ability to say no to things instead of always saying yes to things. Mm. Uh, it's, it's all that uh, I can improve the way I manage my mood by and then what things like personal development, maybe getting a coach, whatever. But it has to be clear establishment of improvements that would have made that journey better through the year so that you can take those forward into the next year. That's essentially what we're saying. So it's, it's tied quite closely to the review, but it is different. The review is an objective setting out of what's happened and, and what didn't happen. But out of that comes, ah, okay, I need to do this and this next time around. So then E is establish improvements, a list of improvements in these key categories, time management, money management, people management, project management, emotional management, essentially. That makes sense. So I love that one. So is it fair to say if somebody's listening to this, that you did mention it, but just want to clarify it, that to, to highlight or document or journal these established improvements, sometimes they may be popping out to you whilst you're doing the review process. Yeah. So it may be worth having a, a separate page on the side or if you do it electronically or do it written and just make a note, but just make a note for now. And then when you get to this stage after the review process, now have a look at them and uh, and finalize that kind of list. So actually adding to what Harms is saying there, a couple of things you can do. So, so what we used to do was uh, there'd be a, a in the journal on a separate page, it would say establish improvements to be made. And then you could even have titles for categories. So it could be like money, time, yeah. consistency, people. And as stuff's ha jumping out of review, you just throw it down as a bullet point for now into one of those categories. That's one way to do it. Mind mapping is another cracking way to do it. So if you've got, say, the iMindMap tool on your computer, there's a really good brainstorm facility in the, in the iMap, the, the current version of iMindMap, which allows you to just throw something in there and it can bubble it into one space and it joins it to a new title. So there's there's quite a lot of clever things we can do now to do that. Fantastic. And and I like the iMap route. Uh, some people may prefer written, but I started using the iMap route for this kind of review and goal planning because it's easy to refer back to. Even if you have a couple of months where you maybe don't look at it, it, it exists. It's on your it's on your computer. It's easy to access access it on your phone, etc. So yeah, from a practical sense, it starts to work quite well. Actually, if I'm honest, if it were me sitting down with somebody doing this, we would do it 
pretty much all on mind mapping. So we'd start with review in the middle, and then we'd have the ca- the goals that were set for the year as a separate branch for each of the mind maps. And then it becomes really simple because then you go off that and you have your wins and you know, maybe not your wins or loss. I don't use the losses, but you know the positive and the negative, uh, the constructive and the and the deconstructive, whatever. But you have these branches, and then you just add to the branches. Then you have another mind map that says establishing improvements and then time, money management, people. And of course, you quickly wing off different elements to it there. So the two mind maps can work parallel to each other. Mm, Fantastic. So once they've established the improvements, are there any more stages within the E category, establish improvements, or do we get to move on to S? Not really. At this stage, it's just, it literally is defining what those improvements need to be. You don't have to go so deep at this stage. Yeah. There's a big learning off the review process. Sometimes it's so freaking obvious having reviewed something, you go, okay, I just need to do this differently next time. So this isn't so much about detail, detail, detail. That has to come in the integration process further down the line. So for now, it's just being really clear what else, because otherwise we get caught in this. And, and this is where, although Reset Act is a nice, simple acronym, we could easily get stuck in the mud in one of these. So I, I just want people to go, right, I need to change that, I want to improve that. The how that gets done is facilitated later down the line through. That's the, that's the question. That's yeah. the key question I wanted to ask. This is not the how part. This no, is no, just no. writing down a description Correct. of established improvements yeah fantastic got it so yeah so your question then is s so so we're now to the s part of the process s now i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat here right three actually s is three s is not one s okay so (laughs) so this is reset (laughs) and it stands for systems strategies and support now this is really really important I'll just say that again, three S's, systems, strategies, and support. Now, remember, what we're looking at here is we've done a review. We're establishing the improvements that we need to make. But now what we're looking at is our systems as they are, but how we want them to be. So what systems do I have for how I manage my time? What systems do I have for how I start my day? What systems do I have for how I manage my money? What systems do I have in place for just organizing the family? Because... Ultimately, I don't like to use the word structure or systems, but we kind of live on a daily basis within some form of systematic or structured approach. So these are the elements that bind our life together. They bind us picking up our kids at a certain time with then making the the Zoom call to my business partner to establish that deal, which then binds me to a moment in the afternoon where I take half an hour to go for a run, which then binds me to a moment afterwards where I then go back. So it is systems. We can't avoid that. So think about the systems that you have that enable you to create a good result in what you're doing. I don't know if I made descri- sense. That makes sense, Ro. You've described systems in a in another refreshing way in the past when when you've spoken to small audiences, and you've explained in a way it's almost an engineering way in the sense that if you have a system, and hopefully you can just elaborate on this slightly, if you have a system in place, it removes a lot of the daily or weekly emotional roller coasters and turmoils, and you specifically talk about it when you have a financial system in place and how that. Yeah. Am I making sense? You, yeah, I, actually, I, well, what we can do is, why don't we, that's a great point, actually. If, I don't want to give it away, but in the E, we can maybe bring that, remind me again when we come to the E section, and we can bring the financial part into it. Well, so, okay, so we'll I'll, use the example I'll, of I'll having use, a system in place. Correct. Then. Yeah, I'll, that that kind of comes into E, so I'm glad you raised that. But essentially, it's an illogical approach to things. So it's how are you allocating your, t- 
here's a classic example, projects. Most people pile into projects and just get going with them. But actually, there's a systematic approach to a project. A project needs a, if anyone's wondering what's the difference between a project and a to-do list, a project is something that involves two or more items. Then that becomes a, a small project. Now, if it becomes 30 items, but three or four of those items are clubbed together, in other words, they are, they actually serve to get a similar result, then that becomes another project. So if you have a big project like establish a property portfolio this year, I haven't got any at all. I want to, my project is project property portfolio as an example. Okay. So what has to happen there? Well, I need to start raising my money. I need to learn how to do it. I need to go find the properties. I need to get a team in place. Each one of those is a separate project. So you need systems. Now the project model is big project down to smaller projects and then down to macro level as in where it gets done. So I talk about 50,000 feet going in at 30,000 feet, 10,000 feet, and then down at ground level. So there are systems just for that. So how you approach a project needs to be broken down into the big picture. Then you've got the different micro or macro projects, however you want to phrase them. And then beneath each of those, the system is who needs to be involved, what needs to be done, and then what are my targets? So there's even a system there. But otherwise, you're just piling in and running down a track, which you don't even know if it's the right track. So that's a classic Absolutely. example. There's no, stru- there's no structure in place. There's no structure to keep. Because when uh, the, the idea of a project in my mind is you want to create some sort of rules slash boundaries so you stay on track. Otherwise, you know, if you're traveling to Glasgow, you know, you're going to veer off the motorway driving through country roads or country fields, and, and that's not going to get us to the target. No. So that's systems. What about strategies? How does that play a role here? Yeah. So strategies is how are you going to do things in terms of, so I'm, so let's say my, okay, we go back to the property example, but we can use another one if you want to pick one out of the hat. Uh, so property would be right. Okay. What are my strategies I'm going to have in place in order for me to achieve these goals. So one might be buying and renting out family lets. Another one might be buying and renting out to government social housing. Another one might be buying and renting out for HMOs. They would be different strategies from a property perspective. But equally, it might be in your, let's say you've got a business where you're selling products and things like that and you're doing it online so what's your strategies that are in place to enable you to get the marketing going because that's part of your project but then equally you could have a strategy that involves you writing and creating the products as well so things have to be given very clear strategies of how to get there but it could be something as simple as like family if you, you're wanting to manage the family situation where you've got your work going on you've got your business going on and you want to be able to operate as a parent in the family. So what are your strategies for that? So it might be that you agree once a week, one of your, you know, you've got strategy uh, combined families where two or three parents agree that on a Wednesday, the strategy is one parent takes the other two families' kids. And we do that actually with one of our daughters. So that allows the other two parents to go do what they need to do on that day. So we're, for example, one of our strategies at the moment is that our house is going through a sort of third phase of renovation where we're doing sanding and the floors, et cetera. So we decided to put a strategy in place where our youngest daughter goes and spends some time with her best friend at at kindergarten. And the parents were great about that. So for us, that is a strategy of managing our kids. I know it sounds a bit strange, but it's a way of putting logic behind what can be quite emotional. 
Yeah, and I think the example is important because then they can scale it up. The listener at home can scale it up towards their business. So for example, in property, your strategy would be, I'm focusing on buy-to-lets this year. So it, it works across the board. So I think that's a u- really useful distinction there. And then the final one, which I'm excited to get into is the support. Yeah. So systems and strategies and support. So once you've got systems and strategies in place, what do we mean by support? And, this, and by the way, this now links back to the previous one. So support... I'm hoping everybody understands the distinction between the three S's here because support is about people. That's what this is about. And it's it's one of those areas that I think we've become so adept at doing stuff ourselves. We've There's so many tools now from a phone app that can suddenly edit a photograph for us to a bit of software that allows us to do analysis of something or to do research. We can do research so easily now. Everyone goes, just Google it. I mean, think about the phrase. That is become That should be in the dictionary. Just Google it. If you think about that for a minute. So people go to it, they go to YouTube, YouTube becomes a fix for how do I do this? We're just doing some sanding and this morning went, let's just check, let's just check how to set that up on YouTube. So support is very much digital these days. But what I'm talking about here is what support do you need from people who can be part of that? Go back to the review process. What if you'd had different people in place? during the course of this year? What if you'd reached out to other people that could have helped you with a skill set or an energy or a passion or enthusiasm that you were lacking or that had maybe a stronger mindset when you were in a difficult place? So this is about the key players that you need to have around you. And great book from, it was Jim Rohn. He wrote a book called Seven Strategies for Wealth and Happiness. And he talks about who have you got around you to support your success that's what I'm talking about here. It doesn't mean to be a massive number of people, but who are key players that will help you on that journey to getting it this year to be an amazing year. I, l- I love that one. And that one's so important because when we did the podcast in the past row on coaches and mentors and how important they yeah, are. Yeah, that was an early podcast as well. Yeah. And, and there's a reason it was an early podcast because people who play a supporting role in your life can just transform it the results you would get because you have those three or four or five people around you who are supporting you in whatever realm is required for your business is is seriously powerful and i think a lot of people underplay it and i think there's always that challenge there you know there's also paid support versus free support and i think mm. you have to have a balance of both but i would you know encourage listeners not to be afraid of paid support in you know once I think check out that podcast, Coaches and Mentors, because we explain in detail how to approach paid support in in the realm of coaches and mentors, because they are critical, but you've got to get the right one as well. Actually, I'm going to stay on this point just for a bit longer because you've just picked on something very important. I think there's a very clear distinction here, and I hadn't really thought about bringing it in here, but actually you've raised a great point. Think about people around you who are objective and not emotionally, if you say, vested or invested in you. So yes, it's great to have people that can support you on a family basis, on an intimate basis, on a loving basis, but sometimes you need objective support and it can still be a friend. It doesn't have to be paid, but someone that can give you an objective feedback without it feeling personal or an attack on you. Does that make sense, Harms? That makes sense. I think a good example is recently, uh, we, we are working on a web-based project for communicating with impact. And you went out to somebody who falls into that category in your world. And the feedback was amazing because they fell into that category. It wasn't a, it wasn't a personal feedback. It was a objective business owner to business owner feedback. Yeah. And that was super useful. Uh, and it was based on a friendship 
uh, level. And that's why the feedback was so open and radically honest. Yeah, and it was great because it didn't take a lot of time in terms of their time, but they it still probably took them an hour of their time to go through it. But it was so clean and crisp. There was no noise in the feedback at all, was there? It was just pure, straight feedback. Oh, it's fantastic. And I think that's the kind of person, you know, even if you have one or two of those people around you, you know, it's worthwhile seeking them out. And I would say maybe one way to seek that out is to do something in return to start with or, or, or do something for them feedback wise to start with. Cause it's quite hard to source these people. You, you've done it well over the years. And these are some of the relationships you've built, which I, as a result can take advantage of, but some people could go their whole life and not have these kind of people around them. So I think the support part of systems, strategies, and support is so critical and it's you, you may have to go seek these people out. I guess that's what my message is. Yeah, true. Uh, and then, of course, the other side to that is paid support, which Harmind has talked about. I think on this note, please, everybody understand there is a difference between a coach and a mentor. But equally, some people argue that a coach has to be doing exactly what you're wanting to do. And I've seen on social media people criticizing other organizations or other coaches because they don't do exactly what you want to do. And that's slightly different to mentoring. So a coach, a, a really well-trained, experienced coach doesn't have to be able to do what you want to do. It Like if you want to build a great business, an internet business, you don't have to actually have a coach that's built an internet business if you don't need someone to coach you on that particular area, meaning a mentor who's built the business can guide you through how to build the business. But equally, a coach can get you through the process of asking you the right questions to keep you on track. They guide you through the process of asking you really clever questions. And it's those questions that elicit a response from you that give you the actions you need to, to, to operate off. So yes, it's very helpful if they understand that field. But I, in the past, have actually ended up, I mean, you see me do live interventions with people on stage where they've come up and the thing they need to sort out is nothing to do with what I do. So all I do is I dig deep, open that person's up and, and start to ask questions and the answers inside them. We're just helping them find the answer and then getting the needle set to take the right direction. Big distinction. I think, I think there's a big distinction. It's worth raising there because as people go into 2021, trying to work out what year it is, they are going i mean there's going to be a serious advantage for those that tap into coaches and mentors and i think there's a really good distinction there because i think people who talk about coaches in a certain way have a fundamental misunderstanding of what a coach is i think last year i was blessed to meet somebody who trains the retired police force to help coach vulnerable young teenagers who are uh, you know labeled disruptive or you know have anger issues and things like that now the retired police officer is not a teenager who has anger issues. They're a coach. So in the same way, a, a trading expert may not know every field of trading, but they can coach you on your specific style of trading. I think there's a, there's a critical distinction there. Mm, so I think coaches and mentors are worthwhile exploring. And I think we go, we deep dive it in that episode, but I think it is a really good way to link to focus in on the support part because it's going to be so critical next year yeah so systems strategies and support that is the s 
which takes us to the the next E, and you you kind of helped move us into that actually with your question about systems and money. So E stands for economic assessment. So this is a, a an economic assessment of your situation, not the global economic assessment. Yeah. So I'm not talking about going out and starting to read the FT and Financial Times and, and start looking on Bloomberg and trying to assess the global economy. What we're talking about is your financial world, and that's where a system comes in really handy. Now. I'll start to jump into this, but by all means, throw questions back at me, Harms. So what we're talking about here is looking at your own financial situation. This is where a system works so well, because what we're looking at is breaking down your cash flow, your income, your expenses, your assets, your liabilities, and your behavior pattern around your money. So I'll, I'll just explain that a little bit more. If you look at somebody's situation and you take a snapshot of it, you can actually look at, and this will be the same for yourself, you can... You can ask yourself the question, when I started, a great way to start this is, have I ended the year financially in a better position than I started the year? That's a nice question to ask because, and it's an objective one. And, that, and how do you measure that? Well, one could be a measure of assets you've acquired, things that you've bought that put money in your pocket. That's essentially what an asset is. Another way to look at it would be uh, cash that you've got in the bank. So money that you've got sat in the bank. You, you know, or goals that you hit, do you, earnings that you might have achieved that year, which would be your income. So we look at our income. So remember, we've got assets, income, and liabilities and expenses. So you could say, okay, did I increase my income this year? Did I increase my asset base this year? Buying properties, for example, or buying stocks in the stock market. Liabilities is a measure of what debt you owe. So have I ended the year with more debt or less debt? Have I got things that are taking money out, liability, something that takes money out of your pocket? A loan on a car is taking money out of your pocket. So that's another assessment that you can look at. So you're saying, right, when I started the year, I had £5,000 worth of loans. I ended the year with £25,000 worth of loans. Okay, well, are they personal loans or business loans? If it's a personal loan, then was that to buy something? If it's a business loan, it might have been to buy some equipment or to educate yourself. That's slightly different now. We're looking at something that's actually going to help your business long-term. And then expenses. So how have you been spending your money and doing an assessment on your monthly expenses and starting to break that down? Now, there are systems for this, but I'm just trying to give the headline points there. I just want to pause for a minute because there's more I want to add, but anything you want to add or ask me questions on, Harms? I think that was a great explanation. I think the point I just want to highlight there is if people spent, I just made a note of this, if people spent more time focusing on their own personal economic assessment versus the global trying to work Aha. out the global economic I assessment agree. i think we would all be in a healthier place financially just from an awareness not necessarily way more well, cash time in the as bank. well the value of that time spent faffing around the value of that time spent yeah so all of those what what i what interesting to know is you know if we were sitting with a live audience and you listed all of those items out how many people in the live audience have a snapshot of all of mm. those items cash in the bank My, liabilities yeah, generally few harms i think you agree with that as well because you've sat with so many people on our events that we've run who have got no idea of their finances. Uh, I mean, I've seen it in, in, a, in a high level masterminds where people are financially orientated, they're goal oriented, they are achievers. And even at this point in the year, when the, the core hosts who are their coaches say, put your hand up, you know, very few people do put their hand up. So don't, I think the listeners shouldn't beat themselves up about Not this. Not at all, but, no take notes and say, okay, I want to put that in place. That's the whole point of this economic assessment. And this is objective. So beating ourselves up doesn't help. We're just, okay, I've learned from that. 
and then I establish improvements on that. So I go back to the previous E. So, so this is a, an overall assessment of our current situation as it stands. But then we need to sort of dig a little bit deeper and start to look at what systems we have for managing our money coming in, because that's where things go wrong a little bit as well, is people are earning money on a monthly basis, but they don't have a strong money management system. Now, we cover this on for anyone who's a patron. I believe that one of our financial – we've got a series called Money Mastery. And that takes literally takes an individual through all the key financial appraisals and assessments they need to do from their expenses to their debt, to their money management, household income, how, how, household outgoings, how a spreadsheet operates. I go through percentages of what might be the best way to allocate your funds. So I think that's, again, Yes, I'm promoting the fact that it's there, but I think it's worth it at this time. If anybody hasn't got a system, you're thinking, oh my gosh, Harms and Row, where do I go? Go if you're not a supporter already, go and which one would they which tier would they need to go to to get access to that video, Harms? You know? So I think head to Cicardo.com. From memory, I think it's tier three. I don't have it up on my page with me. So tier three, I think there's something like £10 a month at the current rate, if we're at time of listening to this, £10 a month. By supporting the podcast, as you know, we give you perks. And as a supporter in tier three, one of the perks you get is Rose Money and Me series. And just one of the factors or one of the things he covers in there is a money management system. So that's just one of many items covered in Money and Me. And I know this, Ro, because I was looking through the bullet points yesterday in prep for this podcast, but also in prep for my own financial economic assessment. So that's there available. And, you know... It's, it's a complete no-brainer in the sense that if you were sitting here listening and wondering, how do I put all these items together? Wait one second, I missed that item. Which order shall I put them in? How do I present it? How do I display it? Well, Ro, you cover that all in that video series. So yeah. that would be the suggestion to, uh, to really nail economic assessment. And I think just what Harms is saying there as well, for the sake of you jumping on there, people used to pay me a lot of money to go through and coach them. But all that is downloaded into a two or three hour series of literally step by step what you need to do. So for example, one of the things you've got to be aware of is when money's coming into the household, what percentage you are allocating to your living expenses, but what percentage you are allocating to debt repayment, what uh, percentage you're allocating across to, for example, investments. And a lot of people don't have a system for that. So that's very much included in that series. But this is part of your economic assessment. This has to be done at this time of the year. If we don't do it now, you're only going to start the new year thinking, and and it becomes like a blur because you don't have clarity. Clarity is the biggest thing here. And also look at your behavior around money as well. If there has been excessive spending under what, was it pressure? Was it the mood? Was it linked to the mood you went through? So actually, I've got back to my moods now. I know it's in January, February, I was not in a good place. My spending went right up. Okay, so maybe you go and make yourself feel better by spending. So this is this whole approach is a good opportunity to reflect back as well. On, on the review and on the finances combined and on your emotional state linked to all of that. Fantastic. One of the things I've captured you talk about in the past row is the by having a system, you can avoid those sort of yes. erroneous behaviours caused by having no system. So for example, if you feel like you're splurging or spending because you are in a certain mood, by the very fact of you having a system in place, you can avoid that. And I think that's one of the key benefits of focusing in on here. Before we move on to the next one, could you talk about how that plays a role in relationships? Because one of the 
core questions we get is, well, actually my partner's spending this much. I didn't authorize that or I don't have access to this part of the bank account or whatever the personal situation is between a couple. By having a system, we can avoid that. Can you just quickly talk about that before we move on to the T part of reset? This is actually very good as well for those of you who are younger, because I think if yeah. you don't get it right early, then you get into a relationship with somebody. And then further down the line, there's this old, you know, these systems aren't working. Finances causes a lot of conflict between couples. And it's not so much the money, but it's people's values associated with money and how they perceive money in their own world. So if they've had a lot of pain with money, it might be that they want to hold on to it. They want to, they're security driven, leave it in the bank don't look at it, but also don't have an awareness of it as well. Whereas somebody else might be a really big spender. Um, I think we talk about this actually on one of our podcasts from memory, but, we, but it's certainly in the in the uh, video series, we go into detail on it. But if you've got a spender and you've got somebody who's very much a saver, security-driven person, the spender goes out and their way of dealing with stress is they go spend stuff, whereas a security person just locks down and shuts down. Now you've got a really interesting conversation happening over the dinner table or wherever it is, because the two have a completely different perception. The nice thing about a system like this, and I talk about this actually in the video series, is once you've got a structured agreed system in place, each of you can spend money, what we call it guilt-free spending. In other words, there's a percentage of what you're earning is yours to spend without the other person checking in on you and asking where did that money come from and why have you bought that. So that's one of the benefits of the system. But the other thing is it's making you both accountable. It's allowing a dialogue that often doesn't happen, particularly in Britain and in the United Kingdom here. People, for some reason, are really locked down and closed about talking about money, whereas other cultures are a bit more open about it. So what the system does, it removes the emotion away from it. Doesn't mean to say there won't be a conflict and there may not be, there may be some differences in views and opinions, but the difference here is that it allows two people to talk to the same space in a logical way with a spreadsheet, with targets that were set, with percentages. And then, you know, not, not why did you let this happen, but um, how can we improve on this? What caused us to slip that area of our spending last month? And then what was the trigger? And, and doing it objectively, because if we don't do it objectively as a couple, it just becomes a massive argument. And then it, and then it can really blow out of proportion. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Ro, because it's something which may have troubled uh, many relationships this year because of the, a lot. The, the year we've gone through. Yeah. Uh, and by having a system, you know, they could have tweaked it. And for those who are listening who are not business owners, this is what a business has to do. You know, they've got budgets, people in different departments know what they can spend, and it doesn't cause a business to collapse. It doesn't cause arguments. It doesn't cause frustrations because there is a financial system in place. So we're just taking that, applying it to a personal scenario as a relationship, a couple, a family, and leveraging, very much simplified as well, uh, and leveraging the benefits of that. Yeah. I mean, can I just say something that, I, I mean, I, I know somebody who went through a divorce recently and her husband had somehow for about three or four years, just secretly hidden cards and borrowing. And he'd spent tens of thousands of pounds on things without her even being aware of it. So this lack of transparency can create bitterness. And that wasn't the main reason for the breakup, but it was certainly a big part of what happened between the two of them. So I think if couples can find a way to walk back into a healthy space of talking, and, and remember when you first met, there would have been some level of transparency, albeit 
it's it's kind of <laughs> you know it's covered a little bit by the joy of meeting the love the passion all of those things early on the practical side of a relationship at the start is out the window because it, it's variety it's excitement it's intimate it's sexual it's loving it's fun hey let's just spend what the hell so that's both of you going into a space of variety even somebody's very security driven when it comes to money when they're first in a courtship that goes out the window because the chemistry of love and connection just takes over yeah. but there is a point where our core basic values around finances and money start to emerge and that's when you get into the rhythm of a life that's when one person maybe works or earns more than the other and then there's a conflict over people's values about do they even feel valued enough to you know be respecting the relationship if one is earning more than the other and th this all starts to get complicated and messy if we don't have healthy conversations earlier on. And I, I mean, we've all been through it, so it's not like anyone's perfect, but I think it's an ongoing growth. We have to keep doing it, particularly in times of strife, like you've mentioned this year. Amazing, Rose. So that highlights the economic assessment. And again, we're still focusing on documenting and assessing, you know, review, establish, uh, highlight systems and strategies and identify who's going to support you. We've then done an economic assessment. And all of this is very much self-reflection, documentation, pulling up paperwork, pulling up numbers, identifying where you are in the current uh, state. So that has taken us to, I'm going to say reset. And now we've got the T. Ter. So let's, yeah. so let, let's work, let's nail that word now, reset. What is the T part of this process? Well, I mean, the whole fundamental philosophy of, of a reset is like on your computers, you want to reboot the whole thing. We could even do it as a reboot, but this is reset. It brings it back up to life again. So now we need to get a head up and look ahead. We've been down deep. We've looked at the emotional, the, the logical, the strategies, the systems, the economics. Now we've got to look up to the next year, but we're looking at it now in December as opposed to the start of January. And we start to need to put our targets in place. So the T stands for targets. And yes, it's a bit left brain and maybe it's a little bit business focused, but it works well in the acronym, but it also, it, it says what it does on the tin or it does what it says on the tin. It's like, there is a target. That's where I want to get to. And to try and give some idea here, we are we talking about targets for projects. So if you've got specific projects, what is it you want to achieve with those projects. Now, just before I go any further on this, please don't measure your success. And this comes down to an ego thing on how many big projects, notice the word emphasis on big and how many, how many big projects you're taking on next year. You kind of know somebody like that because they'll often proliferate over, I'm doing this and I'm going to be doing this next year. And I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to do that. And they just literally bombard you with all the things they're going to do. In reality, they probably won't achieve them, but, but it sounds great to talk about it. So this is not about impressing people. I'm, I'm uh, Again, just let me know if I'm making sense, Hans, because I'm just talking from my perspective, having worked with people in the years. And I said, so why are you setting that target? And they go, uh, and then the more I've dug down, it's like they want to prove something to somebody. They want to impress somebody. They want to feel like they're doing major projects. So these have to be targets that are really meaningful. 2021 has to, I've personally, this is my own view, needs to be a meaningful year, a year that gives you a sense of fulfillment, that you're achieving things that have more meaning to your life and to the greater good of the world. Yes, it's nice to have targets that are financial, of course, and projects that are going to expand, but but give it something that has meaning because that's what's going to carry it through because by no means are we out of the shit yet. And I think next the, the first six months of next year, personally, I think it can get tougher before they get better. So it has to be meaningful. I'm sorry if I'm emphasizing this point, but it's just a, it's something I feel quite passionately about at the moment. 
I think it's a good reminder for everybody listening because the feeling would be to give into the kind of culture we live in now, which is almost a sharing culture, which says, I guess I'm going to ask the question, you know, what kind of goal setting or targets do you want to create for next year? Is it targets that you can share with the world and I'm going to use the word show off to the world via social media and things like that? Or is it targets and goals for you and your family to be achieved personally, to fulfill that meaningful, we mentioned that word, which is so important, that meaningful outcome that you want to feel and achieve in, in 2021. I think that's, I think it's a trap that we've, I haven't seen it, you know, if I was to go back five, six years ago, I didn't really see it, but certainly over the last five years, in a whole wide array of, you know, my generation and your generation, anybody who's really on social media is just, how do I I describe it, is documenting their goals and saying, this is what I'm going to achieve and I'm going to 10x my goals this year because that's the way to do it. The whole 10x thing. I mean, that's 10x movement and culture, yeah. yeah. And I think it's a fair fair observation, actually. It's not to criticize any of this because people can choose whatever they want, but I I just feel that this review process, particularly this year, gives you a chance to look at, I mean, let's go back to your emotional state, the moods. If you could find a project this coming year that would enable you to nourish your soul, to give you a sense of always being consistently up, I don't mean hyper up, but just something that gives you a sense of value, that you're bringing something to the world that benefits the greater good of the world, but also yourself. So for example, it could be a small project to do with a charity. It doesn't have to be a massive, I'm going to give, I'm going to raise a hundred thousand pounds for a charity. But what if it's just within your community doing something? Because often we look beyond our community to something bigger, but you know, who's to say that raising 50,000 pounds for a, a charity, I don't know, overseas is any, any greater than maybe helping somebody locally in your community that's been really struggling to uh, look after their family and, uh, you know, they're on the, breadline and if you could spend the year going around and teaching the kids or financially supporting the kids or or something you know helping them build i don't know something for the house whatever it, it still has the same meaning it's still a human life so i think this is really about you thinking very carefully about what targets you set next year and making them a mixture of to help if this helps financial targets um, personal gain, as in growth, you know, you, you, your, your business growth, expansion. But what about personal expansion? So one could be, for example, one of my targets for next year is, is around getting my next book out. So that is a personal, you know this, because I've had this conversation with this year, Harms. It's, mm. it's not even about, oh yeah, I want to say I've got another book out. It's, it's, if you've been around the conversation with Harms, he'll tell you it's, not, it's nothing to do with that. It's like, I really have a deep yearning at the moment to get a greater message out there. The turning point was one of those messages and there's a lot now stacked up to go out again. So for me, that's really important. But equally, I've got on a strategic level, a really strong goal to get our CWR, Communicate with Impact, to a completely different level as a business because it can impact a lot of people. And if we can have people come to our live events, that generates some revenue, which means we can get the message out even greater. We can't expand it without some form of financial gain coming into the company. So there's two very different uh, objectives there. And my children, you know, the house and everything else on a personal level, we have a goal to spend more time as a family nurturing the house now because we've been reconstructing the house and uh, spending more time with my mum because we haven't had a lot of access to her this year. So that's not a massive project, um, but it, it's still a project. 
And that's the thing is when you have things that are meaningful, you'll put time on them. Where people go wrong is, for example, oh yeah, the family time thing. If it isn't perceived to be a big project, and then you compare that to say, I know, launching a business, guess where people gravitate to? They gravitate to the business. Oh, this is important. You don't understand. I've got to get the marketing right. I've got to get the, I've got to get the business. I've got to spit. I've got this Zoom call I've got to be on. And the kids are like, daddy, daddy, could you come and do this? And then here you are as this entrepreneur, entrepreneur building your big business. Yeah, I'm, I'll do it next week, kids. Hold on a minute. Let's just weigh this up. Give each project its same value and importance, even if one appears smaller than the other. So I know I sound like I'm sort of getting on my pedestal a bit, but I do think this year has to be a more meaningful approach to setting these projects. And if it doesn't feel meaningful, bloody drop it. That's what I wrote down in my notes here, actually. Drop anything that doesn't feel meaningful because it will just be an ego-driven, social media-driven, whimsical, it would be nice to have goal, target, leave it, leave it aside. Next year is not about that. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough year. Something that came to mind where it's probably uh, uh, maybe a joint book, which is the meaning metric. You know, when you're, when you're goal yeah, setting, like have a meaning metric attached to each and sticking with the logical, because I'm just moving us to the logical is if each goal had a meaning metric and it scored low, like Rose just said, drop it because how truly important is that? And it could be a financial goal, which you're just pursuing purely because of finances, but it's not meaningful in the grand scheme of, and the grand picture of your 2021 targets. So and, I and think your word pursuing that. there, Harms, is really important. Ch- pursuing is another word for chasing, isn't it? And yes. when when people say I'm pursuing something, that's great. It sounds very elegant, but if it becomes consistent, overwhelming, time consuming at the cost of your family, your health, and those things around you that really define who you are as a person, which is actually the core of your, 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 your being, if that all gets compromised, you're not pursuing anything. You're just chasing something now. You're chasing it because you can't quite get it. And then it becomes obsessive and it erodes at your energy and you'll again end up at the end of the year going, oh man, I went down the wrong turning there. And I was going a hundred miles an hour down that, that country lane thinking if I carry on a hundred miles an hour down this country lane, I'll get to Scotland. Well, guess what? You're going Southeast, which is the wrong direction. So <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Um, so can I just, just that- so can I just so add to this? So with targets, other things just to be aware of is adding into targets. So, so obviously we're setting our targets, but then I'm within that, if you want to put some bullet points for the listener expectations, so your targets need to have certain expectations, what you're expecting, I don't know, physically, emotionally, financially, how does it look? How does it feel? That's the question I'd be asking you. If we got to the end of the year, this is the target. How does it look? How does it feel? And does that feel like something that you would love to have achieved this year? And if people go, yeah, then I go, nah, drop it. If they go, oh man, hundred percent. So even the, yeah, it'd be really nice to get there. That is not enough conviction. It's, it has to be so I really want to achieve this. Anything less than that. So put yourself in that position a year down the line. How does it feel to have achieved this? Other things within the targets are, we go back to the systems and strategies and support. Who? Just write this down. Who Who do I need? Who has to be in place to achieve those targets? These are just questions to ask. Um, any risks? So look at the potential risk. What could stop? I'm going deep on this very quickly, Hans, but what could stop me achieving those targets? That's all part of this process. These are my targets. So expectations, people, project guide, you know, project objectives, but risk as well. What could, if I, if I get to the end of the year and I hadn't achieved it, 
what would have stopped me? I could use this year as a review. The review of this year will help me guide that as well. So whatever I learned from this year, carry forward. Any learnings from the review process and the establishment improvements need to be carried here. So what we did in R and E in the reset all gets carried into T and that all gets wrapped together. So the first part of this reset carries into the target setting. I'm going to pause now, otherwise I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's great because now people have... Uh, a, a quick go-to guide on how to start to form their targets. And I think the biggest one is it shows you how important the review process is. Otherwise, uh, and I did this in the early years where I didn't really review very well and my targets were just a repeat of last year and I still didn't achieve them. Now, when I look back, the reason I didn't achieve those targets is I hadn't extracted the learnings. I had just said, well, I'm just going to keep going for this target and I'll get there eventually. And that sort of persistent mindset is useful in some aspects, but not when you're setting targets, specific targets, focused targets, meaningful targets. So, well, I mean, an example, we had something, we set ourselves a target almost a year ago, actually. And, you know, on reflection, by the time we hit the summer, I think what we'd established is there was a member of the team that wasn't necessarily the right fit for the team. And that's something that you can only see through the review process now reflecting back. We'd now know that when we're resetting those targets for next year, that element of the business needs to be addressed. Mm. So exactly that. And otherwise the challenge would be we would copy and paste the targets because we hadn't got there yet and just work and just just one just one harder <laughs> yeah. uh, with less with less people less support and then at some point five years down the line if you keep copy and pasting it's just going to be you yourself running towards this target no family no nothing behind you no support mechanism and goes back to what you said rose you'll just become blinkered and obsessed without any direction you're going at 100 miles per hour and you're chasing this target which will you get there? Who knows? You know, maybe exactly. it's a, maybe it's a ten x target. <laughs> you know, could be getting there in ten years. We just don't know. Yeah, what that is. And so the not, review process is critical. It's not to belittle any large targets or goals because I think they're important to have there. But I think it's important to put them in context of where you've been, what your resources are, and what's achievable. It's about this whole. You know, some people have great expectations for a year and underestimate what they can do in ten years. There's some great quotes around that. So yeah. that's the reset process um, in terms of the first part. The next stage, should I go to act or not? Uh, so just let me just capture that. So what we've done in the reset process is we've reviewed, we've established improvements, we've documented, identified systems, strategies, and support. Who do we need around us? Then we've done an economic assessment. Again, a lot of this part is partially feeling and also being very objective with working with the logical side of our mind. And now we've just set the targets for next year. And Ro's giving you some highlights there, some key points to make them really specific. So Ro, now, yes, please move on to ACT. So ACT is an acronym for A is action. And as, as maybe as cliche as it might sound, that's the next part of the process. We, we don't break inertia unless we put m- movement in. Just remember emotion. It's, it's emotion creates motion. I'm just trying to use some phrases that might help you. So we, we need to be emotionally attached to these projects, these targets, which is partly why I'm sharing it in such a way that I am. I'm not just saying, right, right, your project's down, but actually it has to be meaningful. But off the back of those targets, you've got to act fairly swiftly. We know this from people that, I mean, here's a classic example. 
you know, when we used to run the live events, you, I was there teaching, you were there supporting. We were kind of helping people with a group, uh, maybe a team of six or eight of us working together as an audience there. And people really want to make a change. They, they've decided they want to get into property as a business or go and learn about communicating with impact, whatever it is they want to do. And then they go, yeah, I want to do this. At that point there, if they didn't commit, there was a 95% or more chance that they wouldn't actually do anything with what that motion was. If they didn't put money behind their commitment, if they put, didn't put time, if they didn't sign on the dotted line and say, right, I'm going to come on this course. I'm going to come and join you on the, uh, the speaker training, Dr. Rowe, or have the, the vocal coaching or whatever. If they didn't do something. What we found was they didn't necessarily apply what they'd been learning, that the targets they set didn't get fulfilled because they didn't act in the moment. Uh, I'm just talking into a space that I'm kind of familiar with and you're familiar with. Am I making that point clear or do I need to elaborate a bit on that? Uh, that no, that, that part's clear. I think people understand this logically, but there's still a block in order for them to actually go on and act in the moment. Yeah, the block is often fear, which again is a subject for a different day. But this is where the targets come in. So if it's just, oh yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z in the business, it's very different to the emotion of it. If you've got a journey you're going to go on, a holiday you're going to go on, or something you attach, if you've attached meaning to these targets, a reward for yourself, it's going to have a greater sense. Also, the pain of maybe what's happened in the past can be a drive for action as well. But the steps don't need to be massive. I mean, we're now into a different type of coaching, If we were, and that is what is the first step you need to have. So the action needs to be broken down into the projects. So the projects is like, okay, this is the big project. These are the sub-projects, and now we're down at ground level. What's the first action I need to do? Because it's that first step that gets you to 365 days through the year. So what's the first action? And it has to be something in each of the areas. So if you've got a project yeah. in place, what's an action I need to do there? If you've got a project to do with money management and system, new systems, what's an action I need to do there? If it's working on your relationship to improve it, what needs to go there? If it's being a better father, better mother, what needs to go there? What action? But this is down to the process of time management, which we'll come to in a minute. But the actions have to be clear. And you and you have to ask yourself the question that whatever I do next, is it taking me one step closer to Glasgow or is it taking me down a side road now, which is getting me further away? So the action has to be a forward action, not a sidestep, not an action just because you're doing something and being busy, being busy. Those early action harms must be progressive forward movement, not treading water or appearing busy just to be be doing something. I thank you for distinct, uh, creating a distinction there because one of the next steps people could you know write down is, this may be a relevant step for you, but research you know some people's next step is things that are easy to do research is an example but things that are easy to do that they can sit at their desk and just do that and that might be a legitimate quick step. wins yeah quick wins okay well okay that i've done that for today it took me like five minutes but the harder steps which are the most important next steps people don't necessarily document one of the questions i want to ask at this point is and it is it's a slight tangent because this is the this part of the process but what would you say to somebody who's maybe a, a coaching client of yours, they come back after a month and you find they haven't done a lot of the next steps that they personally wrote down? What would that conversation be like? So we do a mini review. 
So we would, we would ask a simple question. Okay, so let's go back. What were the reasons you weren't able to achieve that, those goals? And I would just be silent. And, 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 yet, and if you're doing it with yourself, you've got to ask yourself the question because the, the, whatever comes next is the excuse, the reason, the because, whatever. And it could be time. It could be money. It could be support. It could be systems not working. It could be strategies that aren't operational. So go back to re- reset and you can start to see how it all sort of comes into play here. It could be a side swipe, a, a set of circumstances outside of your control that stops you in your tracks. So it's going to be one of two things. It's either be something that's caused them uh, from an external circumstance, like I don't know, a, a death in the family or an injury, an accident. That's an external situation. That's something they may not have been able to control. Then we have to ask ourselves the question, is it something they had control over? And that will become very clear when a person reflects, oh, yeah, you know, the reason I didn't hit this goal was because um, I had a car accident. I was in hospital for nearly a week and a half. The injury is recovering now. It just, uh, that whole block of time was lost. Okay, well, there's not a lot they could have done under those circumstances. Whereas, well, yeah, yeah, I just, I lost a bit of momentum on the first week and then I got sidetracked with a few other things I was doing for my mates. And then my boss asked me to do late nights the following week. So here we go. All of a sudden, we're back into what did they learn from last year? Each one of those things there was controllable by their own commitment, their own emotional state. There are (laughs) all of the things that we've been talking about. Is it fair to say, Ro, that if at this point you find that occurring repetitively, Mm. that this is a really a good point early in the year to spot when there's something that's just not meaningful to you. Because exactly, yeah. So, so this is where I, if I was coaching, I'd say, okay, we're now a month and a half, two months in, very little progress in terms of what you've achieved. This area is going really well. This area is not. So maybe we're coaching on two areas, and one is going really well. The other one, the coaching is dealing with the the quote unquote shit that's going on in their heads. And we all have that, you know, we have stuff that's happening and it can cause a lot of heaviness in our bodies. So I would ask the question, it seems to be associated with this particular project. Let's go back and revisit that project. So tell me why this is so important to you. And then they start the conviction they thought they had at the beginning of the year. They go, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was, it was important. To be honest with you, I just wanted to prove a point. I, I thought if I got this project out of the way, it would really help me in this area of my life. Okay, well, that's a very different meaning. Now we're just trying to prove a point. So th- this, if somebody comes to me after they've set their targets, often I'll go back and check in on the target. It's like my mortgage broke. If my mortgage broker gets a contact that I've passed through to them, then first thing they do is spend like 15, 20 minutes. And you had this experience yourself, talking to them about their why. You know, why do you want to get into property? Why do you want to build a portfolio? Yeah, I just want to get a mortgage. No, no, forget that for a minute. <laughs> I want to get, yeah, yeah. because I don't want to be your mortgage broker and help you do this if I don't think you're committed to it. And it's the same thing with any project you go into. And that commitment can sometimes feel strong at the beginning, but wane if there's not enough conviction. So, yeah. so and it might be dropping a project. Okay, let's drop the project. Yeah, but I really wanted to prove this. No, nah, let's let it go. Just let it go. Because that creates space then to be more effective in the other projects. Or it could be just that they're taking on too many projects to start with. Absolutely. So I hope that's a bit of insight to listeners. If you look back at previous years as part of your review process. Look for patterns, by the way, sorry. Look for patterns. And I think my key message is try identify them early. Don't wait three months. Don't wait six months. If something is not meaningful, find out. ASAP because it's going to distract you for three months 
two quarters of the year, three quarters of the year, you could get to next December and realize you haven't moved on it, but the amount of emotional thought process that's gone into that, you know, imagine looking at that next step to do that on your to-do list every single day and it not being ticked off for a year. We want to, we want to avoid that ideally. I mean, my approach would when I'm working with somebody, it's like, I'm like a drill. I just keep, dr- it's question, question, question. Each question reveals an answer, which re- re- then leads to another question. And we get very quickly to the core of it. So get good at asking yourself those questions or find a coach that can go through that with you. So that's the A. The C stands for consistency. So having put the action in place, we've now got to be consistent. This is where Jeff Olson's great book, The Slight Edge, I think is a great read for anybody yes. listening listen, to hasn't read that book. And I know there's other books that have similar themes, but it's just a, an iconic book, the way it was written. And people love it because it's simple. But it, And there's not a lot to say here apart from simply act on a consistent, regular basis. It goes back to your time planning, which we'll come to in a minute, making sure that you're doing these small steps. You're not running a mara- You're not running a sprint at the moment. We're running a marathon and we're building up pace and time. So be consistent with the meetings that you're supposed to have. Be consistent with the phone calls you have to ha- take, make. Be consistent with the, how you review your finances. Be consistent with checking in with your team and these various things. Be consistent with looking after yourself, reviewing your emotional state. And do it on a consistent, regular basis, like taking food supplements or drinking water regularly, all these things. It's about consistency and where people break down. And this is where the review process works, because in the review, they might say, I was really consistent for about a week <laughs> and then it went, yeah. or for two months or three months, and then it went astray. Okay. So when you're consistent, you got the results. Yeah. If you look here, our revenue, our business, our money management, whatever it is, was really good for January, February, March. Okay. What happened then? I kind of went away and then I lost the rhythm of it. Aha. Okay. So when you're in a consistent place, you get results. Yes. Good. Right. So there's a big clue there. I think, Ro, this is where the quote uh, really hammers home the one you mentioned previously, which is, you know, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And what you can do in 10 years is because of this specific step of consistency. Yeah. And compounding as well. I mean, you, mm. compounding everybody thinks is money and, and, and correct. You put a hundred pound in the bank at 10%, it grows, you know, it'll double in 7.2 years. But what if you are consistently eating well? Think about what that does at a cellular level. What about if you are consistently exercising, even if it's just a walk or something that keeps your heart pumping? What if you consistently kind and loving towards your kids they're going to grow up to have a different approach and feeling of the world to somebody that has got a parent that's rarely there and when they are they're grumpy what if you're consistently caring and loving towards your partner in such a way that as you get older together that there's just that history of it i mean it 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 plays out in every and what if you consistently just listen to personal development inspirational audios once a week or read even a I used to have a philosophy of 15 minutes a day. That's what I taught myself at a young age, 15 minutes a day of something positive. It could be an audio. Back in my day, it was tapes and books. After a while, it just becomes the core of who you are. So consistency creates a core change in your body. I I think you've really raised a powerful point there, Ro, because what we sometimes fall into the trap of is certainly in today's culture is we want it now we yeah. want it instantly yeah. the result will come immediately but also i'm like that by the way still i don't think that's changed for me so i mean don't think that uh, just sorry to jump in and i didn't want to interrupt yeah. time into there but how many knows there's times when i'm a bit antsy i'm like i want to get this done i want to get this done but there is a difference i think that's what you're trying to get to yeah that's that's a, a personality that's an ambition that's a wanting to get to the result but i think what people do is they just don't 
realize that it's going to take some time, but also outside of just the finances. So often people apply the consistency rule to business and finance and personal economics, whereas you've raised some other fantastic areas it does play out in, which if you're going back to this powerful word you mentioned today, meaningful, I think listening to this, there are other areas which are so much more meaningful to the grand scheme of our lives mm. that are worth consistently working at. And I think some people have nailed it when it, when they were when they're spending time in their health area with their family. And this goes back to the targets of next year. Are they balanced? So one question I, I'm going to fire back at you, Ro, around the targets is how do you balance these? You know, we spoke about categories, you know, one maybe business, one maybe finances, one maybe a spiritual category, one maybe your personal education, one maybe family. What, what's your approach to explaining to a coaching client or a listener at home? How how should they balance what they do within each area? Is it just one in every item or do you go with the gut feel? What is it? Well, okay. So uh, we have a, a life balance time management video <laughs> series. Yes. yes uh, which we are, do. And I actually had a note here to maybe encourage the, the patrons who are on to, to go listen to that anyway. But in there, I, I think from memory, I remember talking about this on video and saying, look, everyone talks about life balance, but I'm not convinced. I believe in the concept of life balance in the real sense of it, because Balance suggests everything is static. It has to stay completely still and balanced. Whereas life isn't like that. There's kind of a, a state of flux. So I think it's more about flow, if you, if you don't mind me changing the word and the terminology there. Yeah. So that flow is our lives are moving all the time. We cannot, even when you're still, and this you went to a silent retreat last year, didn't you? But even when you're still, your heart is thumping. Your soul is flowing in tune with the universe. You know, you're, you're perspiring. <laughs> your hairs are moving up and down on your skin. All these beautiful things are happening. So there's, there's just not really it. And I think when people try to get balanced, that's the problem. In their unconscious mind, they're wanting to get everything exactly right and stand there. You, you know, you've got this picture of somebody holding about five or six different things, don't you? Like plates and cups and everything going, I think I've got the balance. But imagine, how long can you stand like that? You can't because there's flow going on all the time. So I think if I rephrase that, direct that sentence to say, how do I achieve flow? A lot of it's down to priority and prioritizing what's important that kind of comes brings me on to the t the time management can we can we tackle that there would that be okay yeah, let's let's tackle that in time management yeah so t stands for time management uh, time management stroke your life management and i think in answer to your question it's really about what is important and remember we're measuring money against family so that's where the conflict comes in so it comes down to your values and as odd as this sounds the decisions made on a daily basis, even the big decisions, are still a reflection of your core values. So how you create the flow, and flow meaning to me is how my soul feels right. So when I feel a little bit off center, off balance, something doesn't feel like it's going in the right direction, it's because I'm spending more time than I want to in that area and it's not completely aligned with me. So we're talking about values alignments, our core identity, who you are as a person, those that goes back to a previous podcast we've talked about and then these targets these projects that i set up are they in alignment with that we haven't even talked about that that would be part of the process there by the way do they fit my core values yes they do right so one's a charity project one's family one's 
expanding a new business, one's building on an existing business, writing my book. There might be five projects for the year, three to five projects. They all feel very aligned. Now, which ones are the most important to me? So then I start to consider where do I want to put my time uh, to enable the flow? Because I might spend lots and lots of time with my kids, which I love doing. However, I've really got an aspirational goal to finish the book and maybe, you know, launch the charity, for example. So so that's the key with the word important. Exactly. The reason it's important is because the higher the importance, the more time yes. you will be committing to it. So it's really critical to align this early on. And that's a tough one because, you know, how do you, how do you argue which is more important? And that comes down to a feeling. I mean, if we wanted to do the, I think on the, one of the videos that I do in the, in the patrons is where we took, you've done this yourself. You have values and you hold, you, literally, I think I do it with Siobhan. Actually, she's been one of our guests on video. There's me taking these values and pulling the values away. If somebody has these three or four projects in front of them and they say, well, Robert, how do I choose which one's the most important? And get somebody opposite you to put one project in one hand and another project in the other. And you say, right, this time with your kids, and I don't know, for the sake of argument, building your project this year is you're going to be building a, a tree house and creating a bit of a wonderland in the garden. That may be one of your projects with the kids versus launching your new online product. Okay. So, and you hold it out in front of you or you have somebody hold it out in front of you and you say, right, which is the most important? And they walk away from you with those two projects. And as you're looking at the two, you have to grab one. Which one would you keep? Given a choice, which one would you keep? And you go, oh, and you naturally go for it. Or if you throw them in the air, another way to do it is you imagine those two projects in your hands and you throw them in the air and then you put one hand behind your back and coming out of the air in your mind is the project with the kids building that kind of garden wonderland or whatever it is that the tree house and the other side is the project launching a digital product you've got to catch one and you go oh shit and you will instinctively reach for the one that's more important and now that sounds a bit crazy you've you've witnessed it so you know what it's like i've done it it, it does work it and i think if you, if you do it if you repeat the process so say for example i was holding your values i.e., the listener i would then repeat the process i might swap that's them right. around yeah. uh, and i want to reveal them to you and so you do it a few times i do it a few times and often or not, you will just naturally gravitate, naturally grab or reach out to the important thing you want to focus on. And it's just so, it, it may sound wacky, it may sound strange, but I would, I would try it. it have works. some fun with your partner. It's a lot of fun. Ha, have some fun with your kids with this as well. You know, what, what do they want to do if you're goal setting for your children? And if to help them decide, see which one, if they're given a choice out of two and they can only choose one, what do they choose? That would be pretty fun as well. The other, the other way to do it harms very quickly is the rocking chair review, which is where you and I, let's say, you know, you were my client and I was sat with you. I'd say, right, we're sitting in a rocking chair and we're looking out over a lake and it's the end of 2021. Now, which of those projects has given you the most satisfaction? And that's another way to look at it. Or which one of those projects, uh, you know, the, all four projects we started, but not all of them made it to the end. Which ones do you really want to see get to the end? That's another way to do it. It's quite nice because it's imagining you're there in the future. You're a bit calmer. You're not starting it now. You've finished them. And maybe only two out of the four, for example, which ones would it like to have been? And then you go, okay, let's put that aside. So out of the remaining three then, so now we've got number one. So there's those three projects. We're back on the rocking chair now. So out of the three that are remaining, which one of those would you have loved to have finished? You go, actually, I'd love to finish that one. Great. So you pull that one aside. That becomes number two project. And then you've got two left. And that's another way to do it. So it's a kind of a reverse psychology, but it's as though you've gone through the year. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So th there's a range of ways to identify the importance because 
we're in time management. And I just want to repeat the link there because time management, sometimes we're talking about it at layer one. If you remember the start of the show, we spoke about there's different layers to this and time management can get really nitty gritty on how you manage those daily tasks. But yeah. as a starting point, and you actually dive into that. So really I think deep. It's tier, we go really deep tier two that. or tier three. Yeah. Uh, and in the early days, when, when COVID started, we actually gave the time management series away for free uh, to the public so that they could manage their time. We almost felt like time's going to be something uh, people really need to manage this year. Well, we did based on the... Harms, we did a, uh, a, we did a live Zoom. Yeah, there was about a thousand people watching, wasn't there? I think uh, there's a lot of people anyway from memory. I can't remember exactly how many watched it. Yeah, but- and, we f- and we focused on time uh, management specific and we did it very early on just because there was a gut feel that time management was going to be something people had to grasp this year otherwise their lives would be chaos we may have a podcast actually on the, i'm trying to think now we've done so many but it'd be- yes so we, we have spoken about time management uh, for those who are supporters if you haven't yet explored the time management series it's really good to do it this time of year so next year the logical side of how to manage your time is dealt with but bringing back to layer one I love this because this is purely identifying where would I like to spend most of my time this year? Exactly. And that's based on what what is important. Yeah. And I think that is a really important distinction because we've almost filtered it as part of the review process, assessments, targets, action, consistency. As part of this process, we're almost filtering out because no doubt when you start the year, you're going to start with 10 things, like any ambitious, uh, exciting. Exactly. I've got 10 things. Okay, I'm going to do all of these things. And once you get into quarter one, you're probably only going to be focusing on one or two of those things. And that's a good thing. And you know what's lovely about doing it now is that they might, whoever's listening, you might set out your projects and your targets. But as you go through December, you go, ah, you know what? I think I'm going to drop one of those. Realistically, that's yeah. still too much. And it might be one of the ones that's kind of exciting, but so, but you equally might change it out as well. So starting it now gives you this you know, next 20, 30 days to just really get into a clean, fresh momentum into 2021 or whichever, because you can do this every single year. This, this is a process you can do during the course of the year as well, but mm, it works. Yes, Res- Reset Act yeah. is a good, good, good uh, system. Reset Act. So there we have it. Reset Act. Our encouragement is to start it now, because even if you got to the stage of, you know, setting out your action tasks, you could take the next step. Your first step, you could action immediately in December. And then that will start to identify where you want to spend your time, where you don't want to spend your time. And I do like that Rose emphasized doing it as early as possible means you you go into the next year ready to rock and roll, ready to grasp the year, ready to approach each target and be excited about achieving those targets. Because you're going to have your big target, which you're going to achieve at the end of the year, but that's going to take maybe a hundred steps 150 different steps to get to that specific target. So we have to enjoy that process. And doing this early, my big takeaway from the Reset Act item, and and this is my big personal takeaway because I am somebody who does like to stack projects and then very quickly realize actually the half of these I shouldn't have started. So with that in mind, my big takeaway was the fact that we can use this process, one in terms of building our plan for next year. But number two is in filtering the plan for next year. So we're really narrowing down to the most important meaningful tasks for us as part of this life flow, not necessarily a balance as Rose highlighted it. So well, that's my big takeaway from the Reset Act. And also the acronym is so simple that somebody listening at home can just write the words Reset Act 
and work through this. You could even listen to this podcast in the background, start the process, True. and press pause, yeah. and come back to it in the next stage. Yeah, this I mean, almost, have to be done almost in one treat this area. podcast as a bit of a mini coaching session, having yes. having us talk you through the steps and, and ask you the questions. I've, I've enjoyed Amazing. it because it's nice to bring this to the surface now, and what a great time to do it after well, it's been an, an interesting and a tough year for a lot of people. Absolutely. Any final words, Rogue? I, I've said my bit before I sign us off. Just get inspired. Take take the opportunity this month to to be an inspiration to people around you and take inspiration from other people as well. This is very much, I think this Christmas is about giving and really settling into a sense of family. Uh, there's been a, bit, a lot of desperation, people broken up and fracturing and we're all removed through the internet and we're, we're trying to connect through cameras, etc. But just bring yourself back into center. Imagine the whole year now coming back inside you and, and, and put around you over this next month the things that are really, really important to you. I think that would be my last message. And and have a good reset and then act now. But we'll do the now later. <laughs> we'll do the now later. Yes, that's one for the maybe one for later December, ready, ready for January. So thanks to all listeners for listening. Remember, if you want to access some of the video series we spoke about, you just go ahead and become a supporter and that's cicado.com. Plus the show notes, we've covered a lot here. So I will try my best with the team in the background to get these show notes up ASAP so you can start working on them. And outside that, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. That's myself and Ro signing out. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com and as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones, and we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out We'll see you on the next episode.